but he was asking me, he's like, how things are going? I was like, yeah, you know, I'm having mixed success. So I'm kind of walking him through my script. And then he stopped me. He's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Have you, have you actually purchased a life insurance policy for yourself and your family? And I was like, no, I haven't really got around to it. He's like, that, that's your problem. He's like, you can't sell anything with conviction that you haven't already done. And that was like an aha to me. Now, does this mean that every product or service you offer as a financial professional to your clients that you have to partake of? Not necessarily, but you, you need to know what the journey is like. This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reiner. Dominique Henderson, welcome to Bridging the Gap, my friend. How are you doing? Trying to stay cool in Dallas, Texas, I'm sure. But how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, Matt. Thank you for having me on. Yes, I am. Um, I'm enjoying the AC inside my home because if you go out before six or seven o'clock, you very well might melt. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. It is stymie here in Atlanta as well. But uh, I'm really excited to have you on, man. And we're following, you did a webinar yesterday that was a great webinar for advisors that I'm stoked to talk through. And just kind of your your journey has been awesome and your insights are, are extremely valuable for advisors. Your ability to help with the coaching side, you've been all around kind of the industry. So you have experience and I, I say that in a, in a great way. And so I'm really excited to dive into it. But before we dive into it, I always like to understand the journey that that you've been on to get here. And so I always like to ask the question, you know, the 13-year-old Dominique Henderson, like, was this the role that the 13-year-old Dominique Henderson wanted to play? If not, what was the ambitions of 13-year-old Dominique Henderson? Oh, wow. So really great question, by the way. And I'll, I'll keep this succinct so we can dig into some of these nuggets and double click on some of the things that I think advisors want to know more about. Well, so I'm the oldest of three, born into a military family. And so 13, where we're probably on our third or fourth move by then. So that's like seventh grade. But my mom will tell you that I, I wore my dad's dress shirts and his, his suit coats with a little briefcase ever since I was probably like six or seven years old. Now, I don't know that I envision what I'm doing right now, but there was something that kind of drew me to this whole, let's call it businessman. I was way into sports. Thought I, I thought I wanted to be a basketball star at one point. Uh, but that didn't work out. <laughs> Obviously, I'm up here with you. So uh, it was probably between those two things. But yeah, that was 13 year old Dominique. But uh, you know, even if you're a basketball star, I, I you know, I kind of take offense to that. I think you'd still want to be here with me and in, in this having this conversation. So you know, I, I I'll let that one slide. But uh, you know, I just uh, don't know what I had to, what, what I would was gonna say was gonna be super relevant for this audience. Uh, if that was the case. Uh, I'm playing, but that I, I love that. And you know, so so take us on this journey from 13 to where you are today. Talk us through kind of. Your journey of founding DJH Capital and, and the Jumpstart Coaching Lab. Tell, tell us that story. Well, yeah, let's fast forward. So I finished high school, graduated, went to undergrad in Texas, uh, Houston, very close to Houston, Prairie View A&M University is where I graduated from. And immediately after that, it was a great market, 98, 99, uh, even you know, from 96 on until the dot-com bubble burst, there was really good markets. And so I linked up with a hedge fund and kind of cut my teeth in the operations department and saw a whole lot of different trading functions. Actually, our firm was one of the first to create a algorithm, a trading algorithm. We call it our statistical arbitrage model. And so I learned a lot of great things there. Like I said, I cut my teeth. I stayed there for eight years. But there was always this kind of draw, going back to 
13 year old Dominique that wanted to be a little bit more hands on, more client facing, more interactive. And that role wasn't doing it for me. So I left and probably watched a little bit too much that flipped that house because this is around 2006, 2007. Did a little real estate. And after that stint was over, I linked up with a, you know, back in the day, the way they had these relationships was like a life insurance company would own a broker dealer. And you would get license in your life and health so you can sell insurance. And then you would get your 766, which I had 90 days to do. A lot of door knocking, a lot of friends and family, all that kind of stuff. But that's how I got into this side of the business that you kind of see client facing. And that broker dealer went defunct. I was homeless (laughs) for a little bit, homeless in the industry. And I finally found an RIA here in Dallas to link up with, stayed there six years Learned a lot because there was a half a billion under management in 600 families by the time I left. And I was one of the three relationship managers, learned how to trade muni bonds. And after that, I was like, you know, had done grad school, was working on my CFP. And I was like, I think I can do this on my own. So seven years ago, actually this month, seven years ago, I started DJH Capital Management and started the, the, the side of what I feel. And this is kind of like you know, giving people a macro of, of what I, my mission or what I feel my mission is, is I believe everybody has the ability to change their family tree or should have that opportunity. And what happens with that or how do you do that? Through financial advice. Great financial advice can help somebody absolutely change their family tree. And that's what I want to do. The only thing about it is I don't want to work with everybody. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everybody doesn't want to work with me. So what I decided to do is make my RIA kind of my lab to test out things, make sure I know what I'm talking about, eat my own cooking, be an example, and then take all those principles that I'm learning inside my RIA, dealing with my clients, and use that in the Jumpstart Coaching Lab to train advisors, aspiring and existing financial professionals. So that's kind of like brings us up to 2023 for the most part. I That's an amazing story. And I love that idea of change their family tree. I think that that's such like a an easy understanding of the impact that financial advisors have. And I, I, I can, I can relate to your mission because, you know, my mission is, is, you know, we have a a firm here and I think we're going to continue to grow and make an impact, but we can't serve everybody. And, you know, I think that trying to create a community, I think every single person in this country should have access and utilizing a human financial advisor. And so the more we can all work together to get that accomplished, I think the better. So, so kudos to you on that side. You know, I'm curious on this idea. It's got me intrigued of like using the RIA as a lab and then taking those lessons over to the other advisors. I think that that's super innovative and interesting. Walk me through some of those things that you've been working on inside of the kind of the RIA lab that have helped kind of to evolve the advisor community and your coaching clients. I'm curious if there's some some really unique findings that you've had so far. Yeah, I think the very first one, and this is a great question because I've, I've thought about it a lot, actually. And, and to be fully transparent, I'm in a couple of different masterminds. And what they've done is push me to embrace that evolution. <laughs> like, like, Dom, you've got 23 years in financial services and you seem to be a little burned out. Like, so if you grew a really big firm, I don't think you'd be very happy. Like, acknowledge that part of yourself. And since you love to teach and coach and strategize, why don't you find a different way for that outlet? And I'm like, oh yeah, that does make sense, huh? <laughs> Thank you for that uh, moment of clarity and self-awareness, which is like why I always say everybody needs to have a mastermind or somebody that pushes them. So 
I think this, you know, the reason why I begin with that, Matt, is because I think it begins with this journey of self-awareness. I think, so I, I'm 47. I grew up in the 80s. I remember a show called The Incredible Hulk with uh, Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. And at the end of the, like, kind of the introduction was this picture, this still, where Bill Bixby's face was on one side and Lou Ferrigno's face was on the other side. It was kind of like this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type of deal. And I, and I, I use that analogy because I think all advisors have that. We all have this journey of self-awareness that helps us be better for the people we're called to, for clients. Like we sit in a very sacred seat and what I would submit to advisors and the ones that I coach, I tell them, you can't fully be empathetic to how your ideal client feels sitting across the table from you unless you've already done the work. Have you done a financial plan? Have you bought life insurance? Have you done an estate plan? Do you have somebody that you work with consistently? All these different things that you're encouraging your clients to do, like change their different behaviors, have you done that already? Because if you haven't, like it, you, you're at a loss. There's something you cannot deposit. I always tell my kids, you know, it's you can't give away what you don't have. So if you haven't gone through that, I think that's a very crucial point. So that lab part of me, it all started with the self-awareness journey, right? Mm. Having my own financial struggles and, you know, me and my wife figuring out a way to deal with finances because we're we have different mindsets. You know, all the things that I've been married for 26 years. She deals with money different or thinks of money differently than I do. We both have money stories that we have to combine together. Right. How can I talk to a client about that unless I've done the, whole, the work in my marriage? Right. So that's the kind of stuff that I think has been awakening. You know, like probably one of the tangible lessons that somebody can take away from this is, you know, I remember when I very first start selling life insurance products and financial services. This is back in 20, oh my gosh, probably 2008, somewhere around there. And my sales manager guy, I'm using air quotes there. He was kind of, he played a whole lot of roles, but he was asking me, he's like, how things are going? I was like, yeah, you know, I'm having mixed success. So I'm kind of walking him through my script and saying what I say. And I say this and they say this. And then he stopped me. He's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Have you, have you actually purchased a life insurance policy for yourself and your family? And I was like, no, I haven't really got around to it. He's like, that, that's your problem. He's like, you can't sell anything with conviction that you haven't already done. And that was like an aha to me. Now, does this mean that every product or service you offer as a financial professional to your clients that you have to partake of? Not necessarily, but you, you need to know what the journey is like because that makes you just so much more relevant. Because like you said it earlier, this is human to human, right? That, this is the reason why robo-advisors would never replace us because at the end of the day, this is about relationships. You can't have a relationship with AI or an algorithm or a robo-advisor. Yeah, I think that the journey of self-awareness and our moat, as I say, is our relationship and us as humans. I think that the other things that are out there, AI and technology, help us be better at what we do, but they don't they don't cross the moat to replace what we do. And I think that that's something to be really cognizant of. You yeah. know, the journey of self-awareness and that, that idea of doing the work yourself is so powerful because I, I wonder how many financial advisors have their own financial plan, how many go through their own budgeting tools, how many have their own conversations with the spouse and have those own battles. And I think that many financial advisors need their own financial advisor because it's sometimes good to have that sounding board. So I, I love that. Now, when you talk about growing your business, you've gone through the self, self-awareness journey in growing the business by attracting kind of your, your target market or your niche market. 
What have you learned in that process that works and doesn't work to best attract the right people, either via nurturing relationships, digital platforms, or whatever it may be? Yeah, this is a, so this is the question I think all advisors ask. Matter of fact, you know, we talked in the digital green room before this about the presentation I did yesterday. And I've come up with this framework that's the product of my latest content push, these three moves, because I think everybody, every financial professional, coach, advisor, whatever you want to call yourself, uh, <laughs> we got so many names nowadays, but uh, they're asking some variance or version of these three questions. How do I find the right people? What is the right price do I that I charge to those people? And how do I retain them? Like, if you don't answer those questions, if you don't hit it out the park with those answers to those questions, then you're going to be just like everybody else. And you will not you will not build a business that is worth anything to you or anyone else. Um, that's what I've seen. I've seen the most successful advisors, the most, most successful. And I mean, not just from a financial standpoint, but just like really loving what they do when they wake up in the morning. And they're not look, looking at their calendar and going, oh, God, I'm going to talk to that guy today. You know, they're not doing that kind of stuff. These guys and gals have focused on intention. They have intently focused on what they want to build. They've been really strategic, not shotgun approach, but I'm talking about like marksman type of thing with their intention. And they have ignored distraction. So they focused on intention and they ignored distraction. And distractions look like, ah, oh, Dom, well, I got a compliance officer that doesn't really get it, or I can't do a podcast, or you know, uh, I got a quota to meet or, you know, if, if I don't do it this month, my wife or my spouse or my partner said, like, you, you can't throw any more money into this. I don't want to hear all the excuses. Like, do you love this more than being the same? You either do or you don't. Listen to anybody like a Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan or Dwayne The Rock Johnson. All these people focus with intention and ignore distractions. That's the key. I don't care what you want to build. You can build anything, whether we're in financial services or not. But if you don't get like super focused on who you want to target. And when I say focused on this, double click on that for just a second. When we are talking about finding the right people, I actually like to reverse that notion. All advisors are talking about, let me find the right person. Let me find the right person. I think that's actually the wrong question to ask. How do I find the right people? The right question is actually to answer the question with the question, which is, how do I allow the right people to find me? How do I become findable? Right. I just bought a television. I used this example yesterday. I just bought a television. I got I had a plasma that was on its last legs. And like me and my wife, were, we don't watch a whole lot of TV. When we do, we're like, we're getting tired of those like green lines in there. <laughs> we, need to, we need to do something different. Like It's not like we can't afford a TV. So, you know, what I do the other day is I go, OK, I want I want the TV to have these features. I want it to be able to hook to my Google Home. I want it to be a smart TV. I don't want to use my Amazon Fire Stick. I want you know, I want all these different things, right? Two choices, Hisense, TSL. And then I'm going through, and I actually paid 300 bucks more for the Hisense 4K because it has everything I want. Hisense didn't send me an ad. I didn't see a Facebook ad. Like they didn't door knock on my door. They didn't call me. They, they didn't do any of that kind of stuff. What they were though, is they were findable. When my desire met their offer, it was all, it was a, it was a wrap. I went up to Best Buy and got my TV. So why can't we do that in financial services? Why do we have to be so competitive, sharks in the water, blood everywhere, instead of Matt saying, hey, Dominique, 
I'm just going to go concentrate on these group of people because those are the group of people that I'm called to. And I'm going to say, hey, Matt, that's what I'm going to go do. I'm going to go concentrate on the people, group of people that I'm called to. So I think advisors have it a little twisted and we can, I'll shut up and listen for just a second. I think advisors have it a little backwards. It's become more findable. Yeah. You know, I was just on a podcast earlier and they asked me about content. Like, do we have to do it? And and how long do I have to do it for? And I said, forever. And I said, because that's the way that people find you and you've got to be consistent in the nature of doing it in order for people to find you. And they say, well, I make all my money on referrals. So, you know, referrals is my best, but but how do those people refer? And when they refer someone, what's the first thing they go do? They go and find you and they look at you and they see if they can relate to you. And if they can, they'll make that next action. And so you've got to be, I love that idea of being findable, focus on intention, ignore distraction and, and desire met your offer, right? Met the offer that you're providing. And you don't have to be a digital marketing savant. You just need to be able to put it out there and be consistent. So to that person that's sitting there being like, all right, I get it. Like I need to be findable, but I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Like, And it's not my MO. I know how to build relationships. I'm a financial advisor. I don't even know where to start. What What do we tell them? First of all, stop giving me excuses and being so lazy. Okay. Like totally retract and get rid of that mindset because it's not going to take you very far in life, let alone this business. I always tell people, uh, they go, how hard is financial services? I was like, uh, like running through a brick wall, getting back up and doing it again. Like if you want to build a financial services business, we're talking about people's money here, right? The thing that they make, that they exchange their time, their human capital for, blood, sweat, and tears. The heuristics say that they think they know best to do with it. But you're going to come along and tell them, oh, I, I have some ideas for you. Like, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're up against, right? So at the end of the day, I think there, there are two questions to help you become more findable? It's a two-part question, actually. It's one question, but it has two parts. The first is, what is the specific set of problems that a special group of people is facing? And then the second part of that, B, is what type of services best solve that problem or those problems? So specific set of problems that a special group of people are facing and the type of services that problem solves. What that basically spells is one word, which is research. You gotta know who you wanna serve. You gotta know what their desires are so you can craft the right offer for them. Like if Hisense didn't have that type of team, like why didn't I buy Sony or Panasonic or any of those other things? Like, right? Because at the end of the day, those offers didn't meet my desire. And so when somebody's moving past you, I, like I'm kind of weird. I don't even think I have competition. Like I, I believe there's just a group of people that I'm called to and I'm going to make my offer. And they're either going to say, yeah, that makes sense for me or nope. And I'm like, OK, it's all good. Like, I don't know why we have to have this level of competition, because like I have an expertise in doing a certain thing that I really love to do. And I'm enjoying doing it. I don't really want to do anything else. I don't want to spend my time on trying to figure out something else. Like if a client comes to me, that's an expat and I got to figure all that stuff out. I'm like, you know, I know somebody that does that way better than me. Let, let me refer you to them. Or somebody comes to me and they're just starting. By the way, like I think more advisors, this is a parenthetical. You do well to say no more than often than you say yes. Like, really. I ha I've had three or four people call me in the last month and they were just starting out. Make good income, but that's just not what I do. They To me, they needed a financial coach. And I have two or three of them in my network. And I just said, hey, call this person. Tell them I sent you. 
because that's not a good fit for me. I'm going to have to change gears so much, expend so much mental ram just to serve them. And I'm not even doing the best job. I'm not in my zone of genius. So that's just a parenthetical. Anyways, let's get back to the specific set of problems in the special group of people. So specific set of problems looks like, what is it that, let's just give somebody a tangible way to do this, because that was a question. New advisor, existing advisor, you're stuck. This is what you do. Go to Google, type in whoever you want to work with. Let's just pick something. How to save millionaires, you know, more money. How can millionaires save more money before Tax Cut Job Act expires or sunsets in two more years? All right. Type that into Google and it's going to give you all these results. And then scroll down half or third way to the page and it's going to say, people also ask. Click on that question. Oddly enough, the way the algorithm works, it gives you like 10 more questions. Write all those questions down. Write the answers to them down. And then the next piece of content, blog, video, short, real, whatever you do, answer those questions. And then do that for like six months. And I bet you start attracting those type of people because those people have a very specific problem. I, I love that idea. I've actually never even thought about using Google in that way to get answers to questions that you want to solve. And I, I you know I'm a big chat GPT guy. I know we can go down that path, but you can do the same thing with chat GPT. Here's my demographic. Here's the firm that I'm doing. What cop, what, what do they want to learn about? What do these types of people talk about? What are these types of people's questions? And you're going to get, you can ask it for a hundred thousand questions and you've got content. And then you can ask for it to say, Hey, Give me three bullet points to write about for each of these topics, and you've got your outline. It's an incredible way to go straight at the market, but you've got to show up. That's the point. You got to show up. I think that yeah, that's such a I, good point. I just I, you said something that I, I think you made a major point. You didn't actually say it, but I want to underscore what you meant by that. You got to put the work in and the diligence. So if you're thinking about attracting a, let's say. Let's think about the lifetime value of a millionaire or decamillionaire client. We're talking maybe tens of thousands of dollars. If you if you spent a month and a half just doing research, sharpening your axe, measuring twice and cutting once, it's going to be worth your while. Even if you had to do a dinner seminar and pay $100 a head for everybody to come and only get like one client out of it, it's still worth it. I don't think people are willing to put the work in. There is a work ethic around, you know, the way I came in the business, I told you door knocking, phone calls, you know, list of 110, you know, 100 family members and stuff like that kind of stuff. I came in the business like that. I'm not saying necessarily everybody has to come in the business like that. I'm not going to knock whatever way you come in, but I will knock the level of diligence and perseverance you apply to how you come in. If it's given to you on a silver platter, then you won't do all those things that we just said. Yeah. Yeah. But, you, but you need to, because if you don't understand your client, your uh, I call them ICA, your ideal client avatar. If you don't understand them, dude, they're not going to be attracted to you. They're just not. Yeah. There's This is an intention game. So. And you know, you have to be okay knowing that not everybody's going to be attracted to you, even in your ICA, as you mentioned, right? Even all the people in your ICA aren't going to be attracted to you. That's the beauty of this business. That's why there's so many advisors out there that have such great businesses, is that we all are, we, we are attracted to people that we're able to relate to in some aspect or so that we trust and we believe in. And it's not, it's not a knock on you. It's just that you have to accept that and you have to keep putting yourself out there so you get more at bats. That's what it's all about. Let me, let me say something. I, you keep on saying stuff, man. So we're vibing here. Like, so I want to give people a story. I have a client 
that I just signed a couple of months ago. I've been knowing this woman through LinkedIn for six years. I started my business in 2010. I reached out to her in 2010 and she was like, I got somebody already, but stay in contact. When we finally did the whole you know, onboarding and stuff like that, there's a couple of things she said that I think are super insightful for the audience that we're talking to. The first thing she said is, you know what? I am so glad you hung around. Cause she's like, I get a lot of people approaching me for, hey, they wanna be my financial advisor and they just don't stay, right? And I'm glad you hung around. And she's like, I kept on seeing your content out there and you were sending me emails and you were dripping on and you weren't, pre- you weren't pressuring me. But here's the deal. Lesson number one, listener, I just was putting content out there. It's like the jab, 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 right hook type of deal. Just give, 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 give value, give value, show up, be consistent. And then when she needed something, her advisors leaving or going off the scene, getting fired, whatever the deal is. Then she says, oh, that guy that's been in front of me for the last six years, let me give him a call. And here's the other deal. Opportunity presented itself and everybody's going to have their point of opportunity. So you got you better be ready when it, when it happens. And so in the meeting, the second lesson, she was like, you know, this is so therapeutic. This is like going to the doctors. Like, I really, really needed this. I'm so glad that we ended up hooking up. So I have my expertise. I've been doing the thing while I was putting out content. I've been doing the thing. I've been serving my other clients. I've been getting expertise. I've been coming at a master at this particular thing, which is this is the other thing I want. The lesson number two for advisors is find something that you're really good at, where your passions and your proficiencies line up and do that thing over and over and over and over and over and be good at it. So by the time that you get the opportunity, like you don't fumble on the two yard line. I love that. I think that the idea of just, you said it of like, just hang around. That That's what it's about. There, you weren't directly pinging her every day or everything of that nature, but you were just showing up and showing up. And then it just becomes like, I feel like I know that person. And it's kind of that, you know, that's a little bit of the awkwardness of social media these days is that it's like, wow, I, you, you meet them for the first time. You're like, I know you. And they're like, no, you don't. And, uh, but that's, the, that's a, positive aspect that's a positive thing so just hang around yeah Um, yeah. i'm curious if we shift gears you know to one of the other questions that you had inside of that that webinar was how do i retain my clients we're talking about attracting clients right there's there's two sides of the equation you you have the growth side new clients and you have the retention side of your net your, your lost clients how do you go about retaining clients? We're talking about hanging around, content creation. Are we able to take these tools to retain our clients as well? Or is it a whole different kind of toolbox that we need to focus on? No, great question. Man, I'm going to slap people in the head on this one. So I hope you're paying attention. Here's a, this is called a pattern interrupt, everybody. Most advisors are lazy. So if you fall asleep at the wheel, you won't retain clients. It's a cautionary tale. And the reason why I say this is because... I worked with an advisor for six years. And when I first got there, within the first three months, he moved from wirehouse part of Wells Fargo, Wells Fargo Finet, to uh, independent broker dealer. And we moved something like 230 million, 300 households, something like that. This is a big undertaking. Do you know that this man had literally probably 96%, 97% retention? So, by the way, he wasn't even the greatest guy, like very, very, very astute, very smart. 
but not like the guy like like I had some conversations with some of his clients and they thought he was like a knucklehead at sometimes or or you know so, so some other colorful <laughs> language <laughs> let's put it that way but the point is and the reason I'm saying this for a reason listen to me advisors switching costs in this industry are particularly high it's not like just going to find another dry cleaner guy or you know, like this is a big deal you got to go clients don't feel like going to get financially undressed again. Switching costs are high. So if clients are leaving you, that really says something. And it mm. says you're lazy. So the example I used the other day is, I've been married 26 years. My wife is not a candy and flowers girl. She's more like, let's go out. Let's go, go to a winery or you know, let's go do a day trip. So if I don't plan one of those every once in a while, she will give me kind of like the virtual elbow, like, Dude, what, or, or the real elbow, literal elbow, like, what, what are you doing? Like, come on, keep, continue to woo me, continue to be romantic, right? Same thing with your clients. All the effort that you and I, Matt, put into going to get them, researching them, all this kind of stuff, we got to continue to evolve. Now, let me, here's a parenthetical. If you don't do the very first part that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast with the self-work, right? Really understanding what your zone of genius is and going through that journey, and having hard conversations and all this other kind of stuff, it's really hard to follow the evolution of your client. It is just, it's almost impossible to do, right? So it's this internal work that you have to do. And then this external thing that you have to do to kind of like continue to survey the landscape of what your client's evolving to. Which means that, you know, I, I've never believed in this whole A clients, B clients, and C clients. I get the concept, but at the end of the day, if you got a bunch of C clients, at the end of the day, you're not serving them like you're serving their A and B clients. And so either you need to hire somebody to serve them and like redirect the firm mission, or you need to tell them, we've come to the end of what I can do for you. And I love this industry so much and I wanna see you do well. I just can't serve you in the way that you desire to be served or that you need to be served. And so I'm gonna do what I think is the professional thing to do and give you a referral to another advisor. Because I strongly believe that 50 to 75 per advisor is kind of the, the ratio because we have all the research that says beyond 50 relationships, you start forgetting and omitting little details that make the intimacy what it is supposed to be in this type of dance. So all that to say, how do I retain clients? I think you got you to gotta stay hungry. You got to stay hungry. You got to stay hungry and aware of your ideal client avatars, needs and wants and desires as they evolve. Yeah, it's almost like there really is no finish line. A lot of advisors, their finish line is once they get the client signed up, it's a finish line. And it's like, hey, I'm going to take that stickiness for granted. And it's a and it's a finish line. And so there really is no finish line. It's the same with you're the example of a marriage or a relationship or whatever it may be is the same thing. Like as soon as you stop putting effort into it, it gets stale. And you've got to continuously reinvent both yourself and your relationship. And you've got to be open to changing and evolving. And it's the same thing with clients. And so retention is about, you know, everybody wants that silver bullet. Like, how do I retain my clients? Like, I need to send this number of emails and this way and this number of blog posts, blah, blah, blah. It's really just like hard nose, doing the work, being thoughtful, and then finding time to be able to do that for more people. And that's where you have to leverage technology and innovation and processes and everything of that nature and other people to help with that. So I think that that's a really clear way. Do you, I don't know if your audience, are you familiar with Price's Law, with the notion about Price's Law? No, tell uh, me more, please. So this, is, so this is something I learned from a mentor. Price's Law basically states that 
if you take the square root of any number in a particular domain, that 50% of the production is done by that number. So I got a team of four. That means two people are responsible for 50% of the output. I got a, a sales force of 100. That means 10 sales guys or sales ladies are doing 50% of the production. Cerulean Associates estimates that there's about 350,000 people using the term financial advisor to describe what they do. Square root of that is 591, approximately. So that means there are 591 financial advisors that are responsible for 50% of the production in this particular domain. What does that tell me? Because that's a lot of stats. But the, what it tell me is that excellence scales incrementally while mediocrity scales exponentially. And I think that some of the biggest problems with our industry, financial advisors, is A, they get lazy and they never continue to do the work. And this notion around, hey, man, all I need is like 200 households or 250 households to serve. I hope you have built the infrastructure out to serve them the way you need to, because to your point, if, if I can just manage 50 to 70 households really well and make them really happy and cha absolutely change their family tree with the type of financial advice I give, you're going to be making an impact. Mm -hmm. You're going to be making a really versus the guy or gal that has kind of sat back and not really done the work anymore. That, granted, like I know how hard it is to build this type of business and I'm not shouting people down for building a really great business. But at the end of the day, are you continue to serve your clients? in a way that they deserve to be served? That's the real question. Yeah, I think that, you know, I'm really encouraged by this industry in, in that there's a, a growing desire to find ways to be better. And I think that there's a more conversation around the self-awareness journey. There's more conversation around mental you know, fortitude. There's more conversation around behavioral psychology. There's more conversation around these other aspects that are super powerful that aren't just investment management. And there's, there's a rising number of people that are all focused on growth and impact. And I I think that there is something there, and I think that it, this conversation is inspiring to me, that there's more people out there talking about all of this stuff because the more that we can talk about it, the more that we can learn about it, the more that we can you know, figure out like what it is that we want to do, who we want to serve, and then getting a support group behind us to continue to push us that fast way. There's so much impact that we can make. And, and you don't have to be a $3 billion firm or $4 billion firm to have an impact. You can be a $50 million firm, $100 million firm, $200 million firm, $20 million firm, and make a super big impact. And if that's the impact you want to make, go do it and do it freaking great. And, and yeah. let's all come together and, and make that, that impact together. So uh, I yeah. this is a really inspiring and, and great conversation. I think we could probably talk for hours, but I, I know that people have other things to do. And, and you got you got other people to go serve. So I, I'll wrap this up with my two main questions I like to ask every guest on Bridging the Gap. And the first one is I'm a lifelong learner, a curiosity, and I, I love to learn through books. And so I always ask smart people that are you know, much smarter than me, you know, what's one of those books out there that that you think that everybody should read? I don't think this principle that I just mentioned about Price's Law is in the book, but the notion underlies the entire book. The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks in, the, in this zone of genius that I think everybody should strive to get to in their life, right? This, this place that only you, Matt, were designed to operate in. It's your creative space. It's your God-given talents. It's the whole you know, enchilada of Matt. 
everybody trying to get to that point because I think the people that operate in their zone of genius and tap into that, there is no competition. How could there be? Like you're uniquely you to be doing whatever you're supposed to be doing. So yeah, I would I would highly recommend everybody have the big leap in their library and and start working towards their zone of genius. I think that's incredible. I love that. I think that that's a great recommendation there. Now, the last question I ask is we talked about a ton here and a lot of really good nuggets of information. If there's one piece of actionable advice that you hope our listeners take away from this conversation that you think they can better themselves with tomorrow, what would that piece of advice be? As you're going through your journey as a financial advisor, ask the three whys. So whether it's a prospective client, whether it's the self journey and awareness for yourself, whatever it is, I think these three levels of why, which I picked up from Steve Sims, Blue Fishing, another book recommendation. I don't know if we're allowed to give two. That's uh, okay. But, uh, we'll let it slide this time. Don't do it again, <laughs> so he says that the first why is always going to be when you ask it, the answer is going to be what they think they think. Then it's going to be the second why that you ask. And it's not like you to ask just why, why, why? You know, you're asking why a different type of way. But the second why is going to be what they think you want to hear. And but the third why, which is what we always want to get to, right? The level beneath the level, beneath the level is what they really feel. And I think we should all strive to get to that third why in all our endeavors and our pursuits. It's like, you know, how the whole notion around 90% or whatever of an iceberg's mass is beneath the surface, right? Like people are coming to you and they're saying, hey, Dom, hey, Matt, I want to retire in, you know, five years with $20 million. Why? Well, because, you know, I'm just tired of working for the man. You know, I've been doing this a long time. Well, why? Well, because I really don't get enough time to spend with my family and the people that I love. Oh, Will, okay, that's what you really feel. Well, to be honest, we probably don't need $20 million to do that. Like, we could do that with much less, right? So you see the the ability to kind of double-click, triple-click, if you will, on those particular things that really move the needle for the sacred seat that we sit in as advisors. I love that. Asking why and getting to that third level is is super powerful. Dominic Henderson, man, this was super insightful and fun. It was really great. This is our first time connecting, and it's yeah. uh, it's great to have another friend. And uh, I'm, I'm inspired by what you're doing. I know that other people will be as well. So what's the best way for people to, to follow you, stay in touch, and get in touch with you if they want to continue to, to engage? Yeah, absolutely. So Dom Henderson, SR, as in senior, dot com is the website and that's that leads to everything that i'm doing right now uh, you can follow me on all socials by the same um, handle and yeah i would love to connect with people and don't forget to go to amazon and download dom's book assess address and adjust a practical guide to becoming unstuck and achieving your goals go and also rate it as well that's always yeah. helpful on, on amazon so dom henderson man keep up the great work can't wait to continue following you and stay in touch and thanks again for taking time to join us here on bridging the gap Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Bridging the Gap. Don't forget to give us a rating and let us know what you think. 